Yo, yo, yo. It's Steve from the Pick and Roll Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up on the show, we have Chris and Ben from Swish FM to talk about the Knicks, the NBA bubble, and all sorts of other goodness for your earlobes. Uh, apologies in advance for the quality of the audio on our side. Um, due to some technical internet issues, we uh, had to record in my kitchen. So if it sounds like I'm trapped down a well, apologies for that. Hopefully it won't detract from your listening pleasure. Please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. It helps us to continue doing what we're doing. Uh, enjoy the show. Peace. Come on, come on, come on. Hi, everybody. I'm Marv Albert. My name is Michael Jordan. Xavier McDaniel, the Seattle Supersonics. Hey, I'm John Spider Sally, the Detroit Pistons. Hey, this is Rick Mahorn. I'm a bad boy for life. Now, if you're not on the Pick and Roll podcast, I'm going to come out there looking for you. Because you know what? Bad boys like to be listened to on the podcast. Pick and Roll, baby. Pick and Roll. But I'm not picking. I ain't even rolling. That just said tremendous upside with this young man. On a cloudy evening in the Steel City, uh, we're back on the Pick and Roll podcast uh, with myself and, as always, Mr. Gavin Betts. Um, and via, evening, hello, Gavin. And via the internet from um, various locations in New York and Connecticut, it's, uh, it's the Swish FM radio boys, uh, Chris Vendelkin. Have I got that right? Vendelkin, yeah. Yeah, did I butcher your name? Nailed it, first try. And, uh, and Ben Craw, so Chris and Ben. Greetings. Welcome, guys. How are we? Guys, great to see you. Great to see you, finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is awesome. Uh, thank, you. thank you so much for having us, first and foremost. It's a, uh, it's a real honor. Um, this is, uh, actually, believe it or not, this is our first time doing someone else's podcast, if I'm not mistaken, right, Chris? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think individually we have done like friends yeah. stuff, but never together as our podcast on someone else's podcast, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, very so, exciting. Yeah, making history here. Very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, we crossed paths uh, a couple of months ago, Ben, via our now offline YouTube channel. Uh, the short-lived, the gloriously short-lived. What, what a travesty. What a travesty of the internet. <laughs> That like the godsend of the of the pick and roll UK YouTube channel was taken down. I mean, just w- a, an incredible loss for both Ben and I here. You know, mired in quarantine life. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just grateful that we had the chance to enjoy it while while we could. Um, it, there it was so much we didn't even get to like I uncover know. Oh Ben. Like we didn't. I never even looked at any of like the old like Georgetown games that you guys had up there. I mean, like there were so you, many treasures on that on that channel. I was like, yeah. God damn it! They, did the Narcs really get it? Well, what, so did, uh, what a loss! Huge loss. The good yeah. news is the good news is we're not we're not gone for good. We could be back by the end of July in some fashion. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So great. We, we basically the way it works is we had a couple of strikes from the NBA saying. You know, if we have to tell you one more time, you're off YouTube for good. So we decided mm-hmm. to pull the channel um, just so we didn't lose all that content we'd already uploaded and stuff. It was weird. It was it was like um, a really strange sort of three weeks sort of run. It was like, because obviously there was no games on, um, people were drawn to the channel. Then there was the MJ documentary, which brought loads of, mm-hmm. sort of traffic our way. And then Bill Simmons started tweeting out links to like games and stuff. And it was like, Oh, really? No uh, shit. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they Whoa. say, 
you know, any, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. In our case, there was because it obviously drew yeah. the attention wow. of the powers that be in the NBA to the channel. So they were like, right, huh. okay, fuck you guys. You, you know, we want you out of here and stuff. So, um, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, to provide a little, a uh, quick bit of context for your listeners, I, uh, Chris and I just kind of like randomly decided uh, in the midst of our quarantine to uh, take a trip back down memory lane and, and look up some old uh, games from our beloved 1994 New York Knicks playoff run. And so we stumbled across your channel just totally, uh, uh you know, just randomly just searching, you know, Googling around searching whatever on YouTube. Um, and then once I like took a look at your account and I was like, Oh, he has all the games. <laughs> it's not just like <laughs> one, you know, not like, Oh, game seven versus the bulls. It's like every game from that whole series. This is amazing. Uh, what, what an incredible bounty uh, to stumble across. Uh, and, uh, it's just sort of through the process of our podcast, we kept going through, uh, each series game by game. Um, and like after a couple times, uh, you know, using your channel, we were like, oh yeah, we'll just stick with this because they have everything, you know, the Indiana series going into the, the finals against the Rockets. Um, so uh, so we were like really excited that we would have, uh, you know, all those, all those broadcasts to use. And then I kind of, uh, you know, I've had some experience with YouTube and copyright strikes and stuff myself in the past so i was like you know just to be safe i should go ahead and download all these files to my computer so that i have one a very wise man yeah 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 thank you thank you (laughs) um like i said it's not my my first time doing this so uh so yeah i still have uh all the files uh for the the conclusion of that of that 94 um finals run um which we're uh gonna get to eventually on our podcast but uh but yeah, I didn't can't say it really shocked me uh, when it was all removed, but it, it certainly saddened me. I'm wondering how many, do you know how many games you actually had on there uh, at its uh, height? It was over a thousand, definitely. Jesus. <laughs> so. See, Dylan's far too humble when he says it's us. This is, he does all of this stuff. And it's always good when I get to see other people share my friend's peculiar <laughs> mental illness. They probably <laughs> A thousand games is all him. All him. Wow. And they were like mostly just like VHS tapes that you had or? Like... Um, what it was, there was in the 90s, there was very little basketball on TV in England. Um, mm. So um, you'd maybe get like one game a week and it was generally the Bulls or the Knicks or something. You know, you very rarely saw sort of Seattle or Golden State or anyone. So mm. there was a company in Switzerland um, called Pontel in the 90s. You'd see their adverts in sort of the back of sports magazines. And by a subscription, you could sort of, um, you could pay them sort of 15 bucks for one game a week from your team. Whoa. Um, so <laughs> they had kind of a loop, because Switzerland's got lots of weird legal loopholes and stuff. So, um, so they could... They could gold is. Yeah, exactly. That as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were in America, you couldn't buy these games, but, um, but you could buy them from this like small company in Switzerland. Wow. And then, and, and then, sort of, as it moved through the nineties to sort of early two thousands, um, obviously they moved on to DVDs and stuff. And this kind of, even though sort of basketball was big time by then and stuff, they carried this small company going. And um, I spent so much money with them over the years. I got to know one of the guys quite well there. So they, yeah, fifteen bucks per game. That's yeah, got to exactly. add up. Jesus. Um, <laughs> So um, I kept in touch with him over the years, and he's like, you know, there's more games, right? And I was like, what? He's like, we've got loads more games. We just never, like, put them onto tapes or anything. They're all sat on, like, these massive servers in New York. 
So he kind of, he shared with me like a secret list of like, just tell me what you want and I'll see if you've got it on these servers. So he was like, if you, if, if you buy 10 games, I'll hook you up and, you know, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get the games and stuff. So, and I've kept in touch with him ever since. So he's pretty much, they've just got thousands and thousands of games. Like oh my God. It's we like, have so many questions about this. Dude, like, <laughs> one, I would say like something, you know, so uh, originally our podcast was called On the Line and, and uh, recently we rebranded as Squish FM. That's and right. Ben was always kind of like, I always joked, Ben was always like my dream guest, my dream guest. And so when he officially became like the clear like co-host of the podcast with me, I was like, you know, we should really rename the show and sort of like declare that it's like kind of like a, a new thing here. But one of, one of the reasons Ben was the dream guest was like, I felt like we had so many overlapping interests. And one of those interests was like early to mid nineties TV and commercials. And we, one of the things we are obsessed with in rewatching your, the, the games that you posted is the commercial broadcasts in the middle of the games. Frankly, for us, like those are almost <laughs> as interesting as the games themselves. And so it, we, were, we would just wonder like how the hell did uh, Pick and Roll UK find this like, you know, broadcast of a game from Colorado or, you know, like it just, it, it, we would see these local uh, TV commercials and, and, and news briefs where it was like, this is insane. How does, how is this guy in the UK getting a hold of these commercials? So that really explains a little bit. Yeah. And it's weird, if you notice on some of the games, there's not even sort of commercials, they're just literally a live feed from a camera, like in the stadium. So you can hear like right. commentators talking to each other, talking mm. to the production crew, talking to whatever. Yeah. They're not even really around there. So you never knew what, what you were going to get with these tapes. That was, that was wow. so interesting. Like, you know, obviously there was like the NBC national broadcast games and stuff, but often it was just like some dude in Utah with a camera and whatever. And it was, yeah, it's it's a bit of wow. a sort of lottery really. So, so yeah, crazy. It, it's endless. There's, there's so much, you know, um, I could post games on there every day for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, go I'll on. Say those commercials are probably just as fascinating for us, but like in a different way. Yeah, like, totally. When we were younger, they're like dispatches from an alien world almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, no, for, for us, it's all the, the nostalgia of being like, oh my God, I remember that. Like, I hadn't thought yeah. about that, like stupid, you know, truck uh driving through like an oversized birthday cake commercial in like 25 years and now it's like all flooding back and yeah, yeah i don't know if you've listened to uh, any of our any of our episodes with those games but like we spend at least half the time talking about the the ad the, the commercials, <laughs> commercials. Yeah. Yeah. the basketball yeah. Yeah. especially yeah. when it's a game the knicks lose um the commercials yeah. bring us some like bit of joy yeah the but small it's funny spot. you know like when we uh when ben and i initially decided to do this rewatch of the Knicks 94 uh, playoff run. It was initially to like sort of escape the misery of like the pandemic and like all the depression and the news where it was like, God, this is so depressing. We should really just like spend this time like finding a fun distraction. And so we decided it was like, why don't we revisit the team that we really fell in love with, the 94 Knicks. And what's interesting is like, I think then, I don't know if you've had the same experience for me, like it actually cuts deeper <laughs> now in adulthood because we kind of know the result of like what's going to happen. The Knicks are going to lose yeah. in game seven against the Houston Rockets. We know that. And so now watching it in slow motion almost in real time is, is, is wildly like both like more gratifying and also more painful because it's like you can see in slow motion all the little mistakes 
you know, like Reggie Miller having that historic game at, at Madison Square Garden with the choke signal, like you can see the whole thing unfold, you know, because you know what's going to happen. And uh, it's it's been a real experience rewatching the uh, the playoff run. So thank you, thank you to you guys for listening. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. I seriously, I listened to a few of those podcasts. And I was just like, you like say they're masochists, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's a, a very good and accurate word for it. Um, it is a, it, it likes like like Chris said. It sort of started out as like um, a pleasant distraction and escape, and then it quickly became this like therapeutic process where I was like, oh, I'm actually like working stuff out from my childhood that i that i've like yeah. buried it's not buried therapeutic anymore like, <laughs> yeah. this is pretty painful at this point now it's just <laughs> yeah. like oh I'm, great I'm now, now like I exercising to... demons i'm like okay yeah, i like, get to relive need... this experience with reggie miller like destroying my self-esteem <laughs> you know yeah. it's like it's not positive but the thing is we're so far in that like we have no choice but to nah. get to the finish line yeah we have yeah. to finish we're, we're going to be posting game one of the of the rockets of the finals um uh pretty soon uh and we are despite uh, a few you know kind of uh you know news events that have like thrown us off course um i would say we are we are committed to eventually completing our project and uh and, and reliving one of the most painful moments of of my childhood <laughs> yeah that's a weird so. series for me i was i remember i was i must have been uh, 18 at the time and i was dating a girl and um it was on pretty rocky ground the relationship but um she had cable tv at the time and i and i didn't and the and the games were obviously oh, no. alive uh, oh god so i was kind of like it was this weird like do i keep this relationship going just to use a uh, cable tv oh to yeah man final um, yeah. you gotta keep it afloat yeah so it was kind of I was, I was just pitching up at her house at like 10 10 p.m in the evening like hi you're right kind of thing I'm, you, is your sister using a tv in her room no and oh, I, no. I remember those games clearly like just Still sat there at four thirty in the morning with the birds singing. It's broad daylight, and I'm watching uh, the Houston Rockies oh, dis- dismantle Ewing in the sister's bedroom. Oh Jesus! <laughs> just to add like an extra layer of of like just kind of sadness and yeah. and and like depression to the whole affair, knowing like, well, once this the series is over, I'm probably gonna have to break up with this girl. But <laughs> I mean, about like I had a soft spot for those Knicks teams. I mean, me and Gavin. Yeah. Both, oh I mean, yeah. Uh, Anthony Mason and Oakley are kind of like, you know, why we started our podcast, just, you know, the love of guys like that. That's kind of, you know, what we used to chat about, you know. More yeah. So more. was that like your guys, was that your team like growing up uh, or like, how did, how did you guys start as, as basketball fans, I guess? Um, I, I kind of just started following the league over here and I didn't really have a team. It was kind of came on TV like 87, 86, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Golden State were always my team because I was, I was really into baseball, so and Oakland A's on my team because this was like Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, yeah, Smash Brothers, right, right, yeah, right. Smash Brothers. So I thought, okay, they play in the same city. I'll, you know, I'll have them as a team. And then Run TMT came along and stuff, mm-hmm. so that was fun. And then obviously nothing for like you know twenty five years. Um, yeah, <laughs> Gav was a Sonics fan, weren't you? You were a big yeah, Sonics. Oh no, well, well, my my, Gav. my dad used to drill holes and fix in the road and fix gas pipes. And he had an accident where he drilled through a, uh, a telecoms cable and blew, got into a massive electric shock and blew himself way down the street. But he got <laughs> loads of compensation. Shit. And my dad was what? my dad was always like a mad tech geek guy. So he got he just spent loads of it on like mad satellite TV that you could tilt the dish at different satellites and stuff. So that was the first time I remember just sitting there and uh, there was a channel called Screen Sport that used to show a game every Friday. 
uh, and I, I just the first Friday we had it, I sat there scrolling and came across basketball and was mesmerised. And uh, it was it was the second year of the Pistons double, the Bad Boy Pistons double. Yeah, eighty nine ninety. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Jordan getting battered quite a lot, and but I remember coming into it and already there were lots of hype, like like Jordan sort of ruled over the game at that point already from, mm. from the sort of viewpoint we came into. So it was always the Bulls and Pistons and there was a load of like Knicks as well. It was always pretty much the East Coast games because of the time difference. Mm. And uh, I've never really felt much of an affinity for, for any of them, but I love this game and I try and learn by myself and stuff, which is hard because I'm about five foot six now. So <laughs> that age, I was like four foot six trying to throw a ball at a hoop that I could barely see. And uh, I ended up, I ended up, there was a show, the NBA Action used to come on as well. They started showing NBA Action, where you'd have the top 10 countdown and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing Kemp and Peyton, and the way the local Seattle broadcast, the colours that kind of looked a bit foggy in there, it, it seemed so far away. And it, because it was this thing I'd never, I'd never got to watch. It, it, it became the team I got fascinated like, by proxy. I like the name, the Seattle Supersonics, and then the first time I saw a game, that they were, that was it. I was all in on them. So the first time I saw Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. I mean, that makes total sense. They seemed far away to us as, you know, as Americans. <laughs> you know, yeah. we we all we grew up in in the Northeast, so even though they were like the same country, it was like as geographically far away as you could get. And totally, man, those the colors. Like, I was a Knicks fan, but if I had to have picked a second team, like. They were just impossible not to be completely captivated by. They were so cool. The name, like the, the just their style of play, the the way the arena looked inside, the crowd. Yeah, they were so exciting. Like people, like friends of mine that didn't even like basketball, who were like whatever, like skateboarders or whatever, would just be like, "Oh yeah, but Sean Kemp is the man. Like I love him." Yeah, because um, it was just like, yeah, he was he was the yeah, coolest. Yeah, he was like he he had that like pre Vince Carter sort of above the rim just freakish athleticism where you're like, how is this, how is this possible? Like, how is this a human being? Like, how am I the same species as this person? Uh, Just like incredible to watch that team. Did you guys ever get to Knicks games back in the nineties then? Did you ever sort of go and watch games at at the garden and stuff? Yeah, I got, I got lucky enough to go to two games in 94. One was a regular season game against the, uh, the then Washington bullets. Uh, That was my first game. And then I actually went to um, game one of the Knicks-Bulls uh, playoff series in 94, the, the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, right. And uh, I actually told the story on, on our podcast that there was like a, a sort of crazy mishap with the tickets that I had. It was on Mother's Day. My mom was like bringing me into the garden. Anyway, um, that was like an incredible, like indelible childhood memory for me. Um, and then I went to like a couple more like later on in the 90s, like every now and then a friend would like, you know, whose dad is like a banker or whatever would like get tickets um, out of the blue and and, uh, and I'd get to go to one. But by then, like the team wasn't that good. So it was like yeah. not that exciting. And I think the last time I went to a game was in like 2013, maybe like the one of the Carmelo teams um, that, uh, I, again, like a buddy of mine, like randomly like got a ticket to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely not not as not as committed these days uh, to the team. I would say as I was back in the. It's so expensive going there as well, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Me- no, unless you like somehow get like a hookup, like it's it's. Yeah. I can't imagine actually spending money. No, me and yeah. Gav have been over a couple of times and been to games and stuff, and it's kind of you're literally just burning money and uh, yeah. to have uh, you know 
your sense your senses assaulted for like two hours with music and yeah and yeah it's not even all that pleasant and experience they really overcompensate for it as well it's like yeah. they know the basketball's atrocious so it was constantly been like t-shirts fired at you and oh yeah like, little kids break dancing to strobe lights or they're like any opportunity to like distract from the fact that the basketball yeah. is a physical <laughs> Yeah. This is Langston Galloway, and this is all you got here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically like going to the circus. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was <laughs> never able idea. to go. I mean, it really is, you know. <laughs> I was never able to go as a kid when they were good. Uh, I was never able to go when I was a when when uh, when I was a kid when they were good because the tickets were way too expensive. And then I've been now now that they're bad. Um, I have gone a couple of times uh, just finding tickets on StubHub, and I yeah. live in New York City, I, I live in Queens, probably 45 minutes from Madison Square Garden. So what I'll do is like an hour before tip off, I know I'm gonna go to the game that night. So I'll just like sit on the stub hub and wait for like a $50 ticket to drop to like $20. And I'll be like, you know what? For $20, I'm gonna go see them get blown out. I'm gonna see the Knicks get blown out by Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. That'll be really fun to see, to see that at Madison Square Garden. And so that's kind of the only way I can justify uh, going to a Knicks game. but. I will say Madison Square Garden still is like there is a special energy in the air now. Like yeah, yeah it's no matter what. Like even when the team is atrocious, and it, and it is like the fans, and there's like a mystique to being in that place where it's like feels like you're in like uh, the Sistine Chapel or something. There's something like holy, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah, I spent the second quarter looking up at the roof. I was like, right. yeah, yeah exactly. like wooden roof. Like just, just, just the banners. Billy Joel big up there and stuff like that. A number of times, Elton John played consecutively, whatever it is. Like, totally. Yeah, it was, it was good. Hulk Hogan's yeah. trunks on the wall at halftime. Like, oh hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. It was all that stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed far more about that than the game. Yeah, it's like a museum. Yeah, there's, there's so much history there. Yeah, um, they've been a source of sort of much unintentional comedy for us over the last. So three years since yeah. we started the uh, podcast with uh, sort of Phil Jackson, uh, Constant Dolan, you know, throwing Charles Oakley out, um, the poor Zingis. To be fair, I think we saw Phil asleep at that game, didn't we? Fairly sure we saw him asleep. Yeah, it's got to the point where because they're on the East Coast, I kind of I usually tune in for like, the first hour or so because uh, on League Pass because Mike. Uh, Breen and Clyde are such a good listen still. Yeah. But it, it usually gets to about January and even Clyde's just kind of like losing the will to live. Um, yeah. What? He's been doing it a long time. He's like, all right, <laughs> I don't yeah. need to bring my A game here, do I? Yeah. Uh, who, I mean, who are can you, blame him? No. Are you, all, are you over the Marcus Morris era now? I mean, what, what's to come? What do you mean? <laughs> What you, uh, you mean what? number one garden protector, Marcus Morris? <laughs> yeah. Ben was truly bringing devastated. That, <laughs> truly boy, bring devastated. bringing that hard hat and lunch pail mentality back to the garden. Uh, yeah, that was my guy. You know, the second coming of Charles Oakley, <laughs> Marcus Morris. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was heartbroken. I was in tears the day that... that uh, wait, they did... Yeah, they traded him, right? Did I... I yeah. like? Yeah, you know, the Clippers. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. Um, no, I can't say I've uh, I've actually cared about the team in a good solid twenty years. So, what do you yeah, make it's... of uh, what do you make of these sort of this Leon Rose worldwide wears sort of 
goings on that's coming. I mean, did, I, don't, I don't know anything about these guys, to be honest. With I will you. say, I, I am, I am more. I, I between Ben and I, I am the more optim. I am the, the optimist in the family. Yeah. Uh, in, in in the uh, Swish FM family, I, I actually <laughs> think that um, they, you know, it's worth a shot. I mean, it's better than like what they were doing before. Um, I think you know they they've brought in a bunch of executives like it's, it's since the season shut down they brought in like you know different like scouts and executives it seems like they're doing a good job filling out the front office I mean Leon Rose has no history of running a basketball team so I give him credit for like at least bringing in people who have some experience and who are sort of up and coming executives doing that and then the World Wide West component is like a total like mystery no one really knows like what this guy could do but it does seem um that people feel that like he is one of the more influential people kind of like behind closed doors in the league especially with Um, the higher end guys it seems you know yeah yeah and for the knicks that's a big deal just literally like restoring their credibility like right now they are such a joke such like a punching bag that if Leon Rose and World Wide West do nothing for the next two years, but just literally try to make the Knicks less embarrassing, that to me would be a win. Uh, even if, even if like a star player doesn't come to the garden for another two years, like if it's just, if the Knicks could be a little less of a joke, I think that would be a victory and they just need to continue drafting, you know, like playing the lottery game, getting, you know, draft picks. And hopefully one of these guys will work out someone that they draft, whether it's R.J. Bar- Barrett or, you know, Mitchell Robinson or, uh, you know, whoever it is, Kevin Knox. Yeah, they're, and, they're, um, they're the only two guys that you look, you know, you look at the roster and think they could actually, you know, actually yeah. worth hanging on to at this stage. Sure. Um, yeah. And who knows? Like, who knows what happens with this, with those two guys? Yeah. Well, they got a lottery so, pick and they got the Clippers pick as well, haven't they? So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. A couple of shots and potentially lots of cap space if, you know, these sort of small guarantees they had on a lot of the guys, they sort of signed to short-term deals. So there is some wiggle room, which, you know, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, I don't think anyone knows how the sort of, you know, the, the league's going to look, whether the season starts again or doesn't. Um, it's it's all very uh, very much up in the air for every team, isn't it, at this point, I guess. How, how, how are people drafting this year? Are we basing it on high school games now? like like two college games like how yeah that's a good point (laughs) no it's it's a total crapshoot i mean no one really knows like i i think um after the ncaa tournament there's always sort of like a consensus number one overall pick where sort of everyone agrees like well we all know this guy should go number one and this guy should probably go number two and then it's sort of a mystery after that I think this year is pretty open-ended, like where people are like, maybe LaMelo Ball is the best player in the draft. I don't really know. Like he played a third of a season in Australia. Like, I, I, I don't know. So, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty big mystery in terms of the way uh, people go about drafting and evaluating prospects. Who do you guys fancy as, uh, as coach next? I mean, Thibodeau's been sort of linked quite heavily. Uh, I know. I, I kind of... I think he's kind of yesterday's guy uh, as far as the league's concerned. I'd, you know, if oh, he, yeah. I'd, I'd rather have someone sort of new and up and coming with some fresher ideas. But um, do you fear they may go for sort of a safe, old, sort of known name like that uh, rather than, you know, sort of thinking outside the box a little and, uh, you know, maybe go for someone who's in it for the long term? 
Yes, probably. They whatever move they make, it will almost undoubtedly be the wrong one, and uh, or maybe it will be the right one, and it won't matter at all because their roster is garbage, and will be probably for the next four years at least. So, I can't say I'm really holding out too much optimism here. Uh, uh, yeah, Tom Thibodeau yeah. is the world has passed that dude by uh, yeah. a long time ago. So I uh, don't see him being an answer. I mean, Mike Miller was like kind of fun for a little while. I, I sort of liked his vibe. I don't know. I'm not nearly like, I just don't, I can't bring myself to care enough to be like, not oh, a sexy Rick. name. Is he really? Not really oh, a sexy yeah. name. Yeah. No, certainly not. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I can't, I can't say that there's, I really like, you know, have my heart set. It's a little bit like saying like, I don't know who do I want like the uh, like Joe Biden to pick as his vice president. It's like I just uh, I don't think it fucking matters, and I don't care. I'm sorry. Like I probably should care, but I don't. Yeah, ambivalence the key word I think there. Yeah, um, yeah. I like um, Kenny Atkinson. I mean, I like uh, of of the coaches that they're talking about. It seems like Kenny Atkinson has a better grasp on like what modern offense looks like and has a track record with developing young rosters like if you look what Kenny Atkinson did with the Nets two or three years ago when they were really bad like when the Nets were as fucked as the Knicks currently are you know that to me would be like all right like that could be a logical choice like a guy that's kind of you know has some experience developing uh like a young roster because the Knicks are gonna be a bad rebuilding team for the next two plus years so whoever they hire needs to be someone that can like coach Kevin Knox and like actually help RJ Barrett and actually help Mitchell Robinson, like improve upon like where he is, where they are right now. Um, so someone like Kenny Atkinson to me could make sense as opposed to Tom Thibodeau, who seems like you said, like kind of yesterday's news. Sadly, as you say, they'll probably do the dumb thing and figure that the optics of that look bad him coming from Brooklyn. 1,000%. Which, which yeah. makes no fucking sense at all. It's just how not to run a franchise. But you just know them, you know, that's the way they'll look at it. And, right, um, right. And, and probably make the wrong decision, uh, sadly. <laughs> Um, it's sad, man, because we want the Knicks to be good. We we like talking about the Knicks over here. I know. I, I don't um, like being apathetic. It, <laughs> it, it, it breaks my heart. I used to care so much. And, you know, I, I would watch every single game and my life depended on it. And now, I mean, I was also like 10 years old. So I, it probably makes sense to, you know, mature and evolve a little bit as a human being. But I... Uh, I, I still just, uh, yeah, it bums me out when I'm just like, I just, it's, I can't care about yeah. something that's been a, an absolute laughing stock for 20 straight years. Yeah, so. I have similar vibes to my local football soccer team, if you will. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it's been yeah, a 20 odd year run of terribleness. Hey, yo, check it out. This is your man, Sadat X, the Wild Cowboy. I'm here on Pick and Roll Podcast. We're talking about ball and beats. Moving on to other NBA sort of stuff, I guess, sort of elephant in the room, if you will. The ongoing bubble, um, ever-shifting bubble, management of the bubble, management of the virus, and um, the terrible job our respective governments seem to be doing in in handling this pandemic. Um, yours seemingly worse than ours, which takes yep. some doing. But, um, yeah. <laughs> America um, number one, baby. Yeah. Um, that, makes, that makes you and you Brazil, basically. <laughs> any place you can Sick. be from. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird what having a uh, extremely uh, insane right wing leader will, uh, will do to a country. Um, yeah. This is uh, what happens when Trump yeah. has no mere value. Yeah. We're not yeah. far behind you. Trust me. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, every day that goes by now and obviously different stories coming out, a lot of players have sort of decided they're going to sit it out now. The Nets have, you know, a few of their players have tested positive. Um, mm-hmm. You just hope this isn't going to snowball into something where um, you think it might be going. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not in a desperate sort of hurry to sort of watch any of this. I don't know how you guys feel. I, I, I'm, I'm certainly not excited to see any of these games. I just, you've got to see it from both points of view. Obviously the league are trying to just claw back as much money as possible, but um, it's just, it's just got a bad feeling about it, hasn't it at the moment? Um, I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I I don't really understand how anyone, whether you're a fan or a media member, can be like excited about this nah. and be like jazz that basketball is back. Um, because it all feels incredibly wrong and bad. Uh, Chris and I have been on the record um, pretty much from like the moment they announced anything um that this is a terrible idea um (laughs) and should not happen and like yeah there's the two sides of the argument and you try to like be humble and kind of you know understand various perspectives and stuff um but to me it's it's absolutely inconceivable and ludicrous to try to come back uh under the current circumstances um and i think it's only getting more ludicrous with each passing day um and I, uh, yeah, I, I was listening to uh, Zach Lowe on his podcast um, a couple of days ago. And uh, he made some point that he was like, you know, this thing ends up being uh, a failure. If, if, the, if the Orlando bubble ends up being a failure, you, you can't come out and say after the fact that it was a bad idea. You have to, you know, kind of come out and, and say it beforehand, uh, which of course he didn't do. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, I think about that and I'm like well yeah obviously um but then I thought about like the inverse like if it does actually somehow miraculously end up working and there is like you know a conclusion to the season with an NBA finals played between two relatively you know healthy functional teams um I don't think you can say oh it was a good idea um I think it would still be a bad idea. Like, I think it would be a miracle and thank goodness that like no one got, uh, right. you know, like died or whatever, like knock on wood. Um, but like, just because something incredibly unlikely happens doesn't mean that the idea was good in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's insane. Um, I love basketball and I wish that I could enjoy basketball uh, the way I enjoyed it as of six months ago. Um, but like, guess what? We're not living in that world anymore. And I think it's, it's just mind boggling that, that people are, are, you know, talking about, Oh, like, you know, what is the Lakers roster going to look like? And, Oh, do we think that Philadelphia can get it together and make a run? And, uh, you know, it's just like all this, like, I'm like, do you guys not like, this isn't, (laughs) this isn't the discussion that we should be having right now. And that's of course, like not even getting into the whole, you know, social justice moment that's happening in uh, our country and and yours as well. I know Um, it's just, it's all, it all feels really wrong and bad. So sorry for rambling. No, it's totally like preposterous. Like that, 
you know, here in the United States, like we're in the middle of this global pandemic here in the United States, we've lost over, what has it been like 110,000 lives, 120,000 lives, like I, I've lost track. We have 40 million, 40 million people who are unemployed. There are these historic protests in the street, um, you know, regarding the, the death of an African-American man at the hands like the, the police here. Um, it's just, it, it strikes me as incredibly tone deaf, incredibly tone deaf to have uh, professional sports be back in our lives. And like, you know, Ben, like we've talked about, there is, it feels racist. To me, it feels racist to ask a group of young black men to entertain us in a work environment in the bubble when it's like clearly not safe. Like all the, all these rules are being put in place by Adam Silver, not because it's a good idea, because they're, they're rules in place because it is a bad, unsafe idea. Um, and that's just something that like no one really wants to talk about or say out loud, but it doesn't make it any less true. Yeah, no, completely agree with that. I mean, right from the start, I think I was like, the first thing I said was, this feels like a horrible distraction, which is, it, it just makes it seem even more trite, to be honest, and, and meaningless. And I mean, from the outside, the first warning sign uh, is, is Florida, is Florida. Like yeah. the, the only other place where the, like, like the UFC and the WWE, oh, we'll, we'll do it here. We'll do it here. You're allowed to do it here. That, that itself, it makes more sense to be Utah or somewhere like that. If you know, somewhere yeah. a tad more isolated that hasn't had this crazy record of, of cases, but seemingly is quite willy nilly yeah. with public safety. So. Yeah. They couldn't have picked a worse state literally out of all 50 states in the country. They, they pretty much went with the number one worst one. <laughs> Yeah, it is on the verge of becoming the new epicenter of the virus in the United States. And they're like, oh, let's resume there in Orlando, Florida at World Disney World. Like, it's just, again, it's so tone deaf. It's so, like, the optics of it are so bad. Practically, it's such a bad idea. Um, it's just, it's, it's staggering because the league has always been lauded as this, like, very progressive, like innovative league that's like super you know socially conscious and aware and it's just yeah we're the we're the woke sports league you know we're the ones that you can feel good about if you're like a a good solid you know liberal in america you know we're not the nfl like the bad guys we're the we're the we're the good guys but yeah it's rondo's homophobia we'll let that slide (laughs) yeah Um, exactly i guess guess, yeah i guess the pushback for mad adam silver would be that he spoke to the players and maybe a large percentage of them want to play. I guess he's, he's kind of in an impossible situation. You're not going to be able to please everyone, are you? I mean, these guys who sort of maybe want to play because it's the only shot they're going to ever, ever have a win in a ring. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, on the other end of the scale, you've got people like Bradley Beal come out today saying, what's the point of me going, you know? Um, it's, it, it's impossible to please everyone, isn't it? From sort of the players, the owners, uh, and the broadcasters, you know, um, they're all, you know, they're all rampant cap- capitalists, aren't they? And right, they're, right. They're, they're just trying to sort of, you know, claw back as much money um, as they can. I, I thought Adam Silver was slightly disingenuous when he sort of, he made comments about, you know, they need to resume the season out of sort of obligation to the fans. I thought that oh, was yeah. particularly like, really? Like, yeah. He's like, we're, we're not actually making all that much money by returning yeah. to play. You, it's yeah. like, are you serious, dude? Like, and then there was another thing to come out today where it's saying it's actually costing us money, you know, to put this on Disney World. But it's like, right, right. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's the, the the charity and the altruism yeah. in, in all those uh, those big yeah. owners' hearts. You know, it's it's the the patriotic duty, the solemn duty to uh, right. to give everyone a, a little uh, a little treat during these tough times. Yeah, um, yeah. and we you know Ben and I like we we've talked, we've heard like people like Bill Simmons and Adam Adam Silver sort of echo these ideas that like oh we need to resume professional sports because it'll help like buoy American spirits. So like buoy our spirits. And ultimately, that to me strikes me as like we need better TV options. Oh. Like that, that is really that is really what is being said. Like we just want better TV to watch, and that yeah. to me is not a reason. Like to have a better streaming service is not the reason to endanger the welfare of the world and our country. You know what I mean? Like it's not about like it's not about bringing the economy back. It's 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 not about bullying American spirits. It's about like having better TV to watch. And I would ask, like, how can anyone in good conscience watch these games and feel good knowing what's going on in the world? And it's and, classic government distraction again, isn't it? Don't look yeah. at all the terrible things we're doing. Sports, right? Yeah. You know I mean, it's, right. It's, in that yeah. way, is the Roman Empire. They built nothing but coliseums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. when, when times are bad, they throw they threw endless, endless month long games. That's yeah, that's what it is. It's, no, it is. It's an, it's an opiate of the masses. Uh, and you know, like, hey, uh, I'm guilty. Like, I I consume the product. It's it's super fun. Fucking basketball is yeah. awesome. But it's like, just doesn't. I mean, yeah, it's really. I I I just I don't understand. Like like I said, how anyone actually could enjoy it uh, right now. Um, you, even if it was you know, put on in a, in a perfectly, you know, safe way, which of course is impossible. Um, and another point I want to make about you, um, you mentioned D about how like the, the players, um, you know, they've, they've all agreed. So it's like, you know, no one's forcing them. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, um, everyone's, you know, every man has a, has a right to do, to do what he wants. Um, and I want to make it clear that, that I'm not criticizing, I can't judge or criticize the choice of any individual player, um, but what I'm criticizing is like, I don't think it's actually a really fair choice. It's not like a, like an even 50, 50 proposition to play or not to play when you have the looming threat of, uh, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's up, it's up, up to you whether you, or not you want to play. Obviously there's health concerns. And, and of course, you know, these historic protests and, and the, you know, the social justice moment that that's, that's, uh, currently underway, like you know, we understand all that. We're very sensitive to all that. So you're free to do what you want. But if you don't play, the owners might rip up the CBA and then you'll be completely fucked and have like, you know, who knows how large a percentage of your future earning potential just destroyed. Um, and so it's like, is it really a choice? Like, I, I that seems to me like a, like one side is really, really, really heavily weighted. Um, yeah. And the other side is like, you know, are you just going to go along with it and be cool? Uh, because this is happening whether you want it or not. That's the other thing. There's like such an inevitability to it right. um, that it's just kind of like, yeah, if you speak out, like you're free to speak out, but like you're probably going to get blasted and shunned for it uh, like Kyrie Irving was. Um, yeah. You know, or it's like, okay, you know, you know what? We understand it's, it's all valid, but your salary is going to get cut uh you know by a percentage every game you miss or whatever and um yeah i don't know like they're, they're clearly like it's not like a like a like a sort of a fair like the, the, the choice the the decision itself isn't really like a fair one um so it's more like the kind of 
yeah, the system that I'm critical of, not the, not the players. Yeah, and I think also, Ben, like, it's a great point. Also, like, they're competitive athletes, too. You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, they love playing basketball. And they are, these are, like, the most competitive people, you know, the, the most talented competitive athletes we have here in the United States. Like, ultimately, yeah, of course, they want it. They, they, they think they're superheroes. They think that, like, they can overcome any obstacle. That's, that is literally how they became professional professional athletes they're hard hardwired to think that they can overcome any obstacle and they're like hell-bent on like succeeding and winning so I don't blame them I imagine that like if I was in the same position maybe I would think the same thing like hey I want to get back out there hey I want to like try to compete for a championship I know I can do it like I think this will be good so I, I, I like Ben said I don't judge them or blame them but sometimes like you need an objective third party just to be like hey this is not a good idea like I I know everyone's intentions are good here but this is actually fundamentally a terrible idea on on like a variety of levels yeah it's almost like they need sort of an independent auditor between the sort of league and the players just to be like no this is terrible you know it's almost like if like a federal government or agency were to like um you know, like say like, hey, this is not good. It's almost like having like some federal yeah. leadership would be useful yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, we have we have the Health and Safety at Work Act, which it means all workplaces have certain rules in place, which aren't necessarily there to protect you from your boss trying to punch you. A lot of the time they're to protect you at work. People will try and climb ladders without somebody to spot them and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. like a human, human nature thing, isn't it? Just because you want to do it doesn't mean you yes. should be allowed to do it. And especially in a pandemic, like I think a lot of people, a lot of people confuse like liberty and think it's some inalienable right, but it isn't. Liberty extends as far as you not being in an impingement on somebody else's liberty or a danger to them. At that point, it's fine to limit your liberty. That's that's the whole philosophical premise, if you know. Mm-hmm. What I mean. So at that point, just because you want to go and play in this super dangerous environment necessarily because you might yourself not even feel any effects because you're an athlete who, who's in tip-top shape but that doesn't mean you aren't going to play a part in propagating this this pandemic and keeping it going so for that there should be limitations i think on things like this for sure yeah yeah 100 percent. it's not you're, you're you're not making a completely personal choice here because the choice that you make will affect other people uh that's you know the way viruses work and the other thing that's important to remember is that, you know, as cases are skyrocketing in, in the state of Florida, um, they don't have all the tests that they need and they don't have all the equipment that they need. Um, and the NBA, you know, one of the arguments that I keep hearing is like, oh, well, the bubble is going to be so safe. You know, the, the players are, are probably going to be safer inside the bubble than they would be outside the bubble, which is probably true. But the reason for that is that they're going to be testing every single player every single day and those are tests that uh aren't going to be used by essential workers by hospital staff by just general people in the public who need these tests to you know survive and and continue their lives so and you know whatever the nba says it's like going to be um you know making sure that they they donate supplies and tests uh you know to the to the um, populace and stuff in Florida uh, at the same time. But like at the end of the day, like every test that a player takes is a test that someone else who could use it isn't going to get. 
Um, it's not, there's not an infinite number of tests, <laughs> as we know, um, and there clearly aren't enough uh, currently um, you know, in Florida or any other state in America. So yeah, the, the whole idea of like, oh, well, you know, they're not gonna be harming anything. They're not gonna be making the problem worse than it already is. It's also probably not true. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, yeah, completely agree with that. Well, whatever it is, anybody who needs a test who can't get hold of one, we certainly shouldn't be giving them to athletes so they can. Yeah, there's stories of like four-hour-long lines of cars uh, in Central Florida, and like testing sites, like sh you know, basically shutting their doors and a uh, half an hour after opening it at nine o'clock in the morning um, because they are 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 done for the day, and it's just like okay. Uh, what are we doing here again? We want to play basketball because yeah. people are, are bored. Yeah. Hey, Harley Davidson of Harley Davidson paid handsomely to get the to get that little logo front and center on Yanis's chest come game four of the finals. <laughs> yep. They are gonna have that be damned. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um yeah. You gotta do it for Harley. You make a point. I mean, how are these games gonna look as well? It's strange. It's like as we were referring to earlier, like going to an NBA game, it's just a three hour assault on your senses, there's music pumped in, you know, it's constant bang, bang, bang noise. And the players actually sort of, they seem to like that. I mean, I, there was a few games a few years ago where they sort of, they got rid of the music at games and they just had the organ music. And the players were complaining that they didn't like it because they kind of thrived off that noise constantly and it got them, you know, up and going for the game. I can't see how that's going to work on TV. Uh, amongst other things, amongst the sightlines and whatever, it's just it doesn't feel like it's going to be a product you particularly want to watch. I mean, I don't, I just can't visualize how how they're going to put this together without it making it look like a glorified summer league. It's, I don't know. It's yeah, just, it's going to be it's, really weird. It's no and yeah, and uh, yeah, I feel like that's another thing that no one's really like fully wrapped their heads around. Like, what is this actual thing going to look and feel like? Mm. Right, in an empty stadium with, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, now the uh, uh, Zach Lowe and Ramona Shelburne reported is going to be painted on, on all the courts. Um, so, and then, you know, there's this other sort of conflicting story about whether or not the players are going to have, be able to put, uh, like, messages on the backs of their jerseys, which I think is very odd. Um, but well, like I'd like thing... to see him get creative with that. Like, yeah, well, Donovan, did you see the... Donovan Mitchell has 45. I'd like him to have, like, fuck 45 on the back of something like that. And, well, did know, you see... Uh, the... Trump or something like that. Or, you know, fuck the police on the back of his jerseys. Like yeah, well, did you see the, the story <laughs> about, about John Morant? Did you hear about no, that? John Morant, yeah. so, so John Morant, who wears number 12, um, posted a, a, um, an image of himself on his Instagram, I think, or Twitter, uh, where it had him in his jersey and it said, fuck 12. Now, if you're not familiar, 12 is like a slang term for police um, right, okay. in America. Specifically, I think it's like um, like narcotics police, like the right, like okay. the heavy-duty guys who like roll out of fucking armored trucks and like <laughs> battering ram down your door, uh, you know, at like three o'clock in the morning. Um, so and specifically, so, like they show up to the projects, like they show up to housing yeah. projects and just like destroy them and rip apart apartment buildings and just be like, yeah. we know there are drugs here. Nice. Like the cops that, that killed Brianna Taylor um, right. in, in Louisville are, are like 12. Um, so right. anyway, okay. so John Morant posts a, a fuck 12 um, jersey and then, you know, kind of had to like walk it back and apologize, um, you know, predictably enough. Um, but he actually had like a pretty, um, he actually had like a pretty badass apology, um, quote unquote apology. I'm going to try to bring it up. Um, but, uh, but he wrote, I want to first apologize for reposting something that didn't clearly and accurately convey what I wanted to share. My post was intended to focus on the bad cops who get away with the murder of unarmed black men and women. 
and those who continue to harass peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. I know there are good cops, quote unquote, 12 out there, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. He goes on. Um, but he basically says, uh, you know, there have been too many Black lives taken by police that could have been prevented. You may see me as just a basketball player and I may lose fans for taking a stand, but I won't stay silent. Black Lives Matter. Where's the justice for Breonna Taylor and the other countless innocent black lives that have been taken at the hands of dirty cops with no convictions? Good boy. So as How far old as is that guy? The guy's like 19 or 20 or something? Yeah, no uh, shit. Yeah. I, I, could, I could barely sort of tie my shoelaces at that age. Right, right. <laughs> I was like too busy playing like PlayStation yeah, to even exactly. like be able to put that together uh, at, at that age. But uh, yeah, so as far as apologies goes, uh, go. that's, that's a pretty, pretty solid I'm one, I'd say. I'm not eloquent about it now. I, I have an issue with this this constant thing of like, I mean, fundamentally, if there's bad cops, how are the people who are standing by and letting it happen by default good cops? They're the ones with the power to stop the people and protect them. There, there are no good cops in that sense, I don't think. I think that's a cop-out. It's a, it's, it's, a <laughs> it's a real cop-out. But if the guy with the power and the gun and the handcuffs and the taser isn't going to stop him, how is anybody else? And yeah, who swore the oath to protect the innocent? Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, it's a great point. I, I, it's a great point. I, I think a lot of people get in a, a, a hell of a lot of free ride for turning a blind eye. And I, I just can't see how that is ethically ever going to make you good. Honest, yeah, there's more questions than answers, that's okay. for sure, regarding the bubble. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys smoke a hell of a lot of weed as well. I was like, <laughs> just trying to break the mood yeah, a bit. He's hooking that up. <laughs> hooking yeah. that up while I'm in there. Uh, I think they, like, said, three yeah, they, they said something like, uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's going to be like uh, testing for like PEDs, but not for like any other substance. But they, <laughs> like, this was all in the like 113 page like, safety, safety and health manual or whatever. They, uh, uh, but yeah. they, they like, they, like, like, like 130 pages of regulations. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Ben, yeah, is there like an air duct? Is there like a vent? Is there like a hole at the top of the bubble where like we smoke <laughs> and like it's like... <laughs> yeah, you just have to blow it out of a uh, out of a, uh, a little uh, to- toilet paper tube with like fe- Febreze uh, yeah. sheets in it. Uh, and, and like classic you know, spray... dormitory trick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spray the air with Lysol before your uh, RA comes back uh, in. Um, yeah, a documentary about the actual what went on inside the bubble will be far better viewing than the actual games. Uh, I know. I know. So that's the other thing is that, <laughs> like, in my heart, I'm like, I don't want to consume this product. I, I want no. to, like, kind of boycott it on moral grounds. But at the same time, I'm now even more, like, luridly fascinated to see, like, what actually happens. So I, I'm going to, like, find it really difficult not to, like, you know, fucking fire up the uh, the old, uh, you know, NBA.com uh, you know, whatever league pass app league pass. and, uh, and, and like, see what this looks like. Not, not because I, I want to know, you know, like what the, you know, if the Clippers can beat the Lakers, it's like, I just want to see like this incredibly like darkly fascinating, like slow motion train wreck happen. I, I, I'm going to find it really hard to tear my eyes away. Um, even though I like, it's going to feel like I'm watching like, I don't know, like a smut film or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm concerned about yeah. it. I'm concerned about Hubie Brown more than anything, if I'm honest with you. Oh, man. Yeah. He needs to be in protect, some sign of... Protect Hubie. He needs to be in, a, in like his own little tiny bubble yeah. within the bubble. National yeah. treasure. National treasure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It needs to be in one of those plutonium suits or something. On the <laughs> yeah. Iron lungs or something. Yeah. Um, 
I'm tempted to think like maybe Popovich won't even show up. You know, he kind of he, he strikes me as one of those guys that he knows his team's not got a chance of winning it this year. He'd probably yeah. just send Tim Duncan and Becky Hamlin along or something. It, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all in the next week it comes out that he's not even going to bother going. I don't know. He's just he's one of those guys who just he seems to view basketball as just a sort of sideline in life rather than right. the be-all and end-all. But I wouldn't surprise if the likes of him and Mike D'Antoni probably, you know, yeah, um, just, just, just don't even show up. And why would they? Why risk it? I don't know, at their age. It'd go a long way. Still, I mean, like, yeah. it would be really meaningful. I mean, yeah. I would. I think a lot of people would applaud it and be like, yeah, we need more of this. Like, Ben and I have talked on, offline, like, if, if LeBron James and Chris Paul and uh, Giannis and Harden all got together as a union and they're like, we're not going to this bubble. Mm. Could the league resume? Would the league resume? Would Adam mm. Silver still be trying to make this happen? And mm. I don't know, but it would make a hell of a statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see if, if Coach Popovich uh, comes back to the bubble. I think that's yeah. a great point you made, Chris. Yeah. Like, yeah, one of the, mo- the most powerful statement would be, probably, if, if yeah, they just they got it all set up and – have the whole fanfare and then just no we're not going to do this walk off yeah. walk off at the start but, it would be awesome if they were like all secretly planning that and like going along with everything in the beginning and then just like staging one big dramatic moment like right before like opening <laughs> night tip off they just like walk out like raise their black fists and we're like we're not playing <laughs> bye go home everyone or you know whatever and they just uh, all walk out of the bubble yeah 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 that would be pretty cool probably won't happen but uh yeah but yeah, I know that's the other thing is like, I mean, you know, I don't want to criticize LeBron too much because, you know, he has started this this new organization, um, you know, more than a vote um, with a few other players and, and, and uh, you know, people associated with the league. And, um, you know, there's, there's obviously like good stuff that's happening that is, uh, you know, that's, that's real um, and, and will actually make a difference, you know, like uh, Lloyd Pierce leading this movement to, to make the, um, the Atlanta Hawks arena into a, a voting station. I don't know if you guys. Um, yeah. I saw that. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. like, so I, you know, I, I think that it's, there's certainly like little kind of like pockets of activity where you're like, okay, that's actually not just a completely hollow gesture. Yeah. Um, so you hope you see more of that, but it just seems like that can all be done and should be done without having <laughs> A, you know a basketball game being played uh in the middle of disney world in a pandemic um like it's just i don't see that like the whole argument of like well we'll have more of a platform uh you know if we're on tv and everyone's paying attention to us it's like guess what people are going to pay attention to lebron james uh whether he's playing basketball or not like if yeah. or, and like james and it's going to be even more of a story if they all you know top 10 players in the league came together and said no, we're actually boycotting this and here's exactly why. And here are the specific things that we want done um, with the help of our extremely powerful yeah. billionaire owners um, who actually do have power to like get things done and do have a direct line of communication to the president of the United States. Um, and, you know, it, it seems to me like uh, that would be a, a better way to go, but it's obviously like not, <laughs> not realistic because that would necessitate a, much more like radical and, and uncomfortable moment than I think anyone really wants to see, especially the people who are, who are, you know, standing to benefit so much financially from business as usual. So maybe that'll come next year, you know, maybe they're just like, right, let's get this out of the way. And then we may see some sort of real sort of 
movement of kind of change and yeah i'm not completely cynical i do think that that it's that and you know even like most of the players are are, are recognizing like you know having black lives matter on the court is like not really going to change anything at all um uh and, and it does seem like people are are kind of like awakening to that that notion so um yeah, yeah, like Ben, like Ben pointed out, like the thirty owners in the NBA are all billionaires, and and Dean and Gav, I know you guys have like touched on this on your podcast too. Like at a certain point, they they need to enter the equation, and like we need to have a conversation about like who are these thirty people? You know what I mean? Like Mickey Arison, the owner of the Miami Heat, is in cahoots with President Trump. He's like one of his prominent, uh, you know, bundlers, uh, sending him you know millions and millions of dollars in cash get him reelected like there is a direct relationship between these 30 owners and the president of the united states whether it's president trump or whether it will be joe biden all 30 of these people have relationships with joe biden and donald trump and so like when it comes to social justice reform whether it's you know uh defunding the police or reforming the police or getting justice for brianna taylor like there are very real actionable things that can be done by the players in talking to the people that they work with and work for the owners. But it's just, you know, I, I, I don't know that those conversations, I don't know if, if the players are willing to have those conversations yet. Yeah. Um, I, you yeah. Know, I, yeah. I, I bet it's hard to meet a billionaire who will let you tell him that they're wrong. On anything. Right. Right. Who wants to, who wants to hear one of their employees like speak up and be like, uh, Hey boss, uh, this is how you should do it. Yeah, exactly. And also, yeah, yeah I've, I've got a bigger pile of money than you. And in, in our world, that proves I'm more right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that proves I'm smarter and everything. Look, because I've got the biggest pile of money. So that's, yeah. that's what talks here. Yeah. yeah. Um, all this social stuff, health stuff aside, um, assuming this does go ahead and sort of we do get a sort of full slate of games, there's some potential for upsets. I'm sure you'd agree sort of along the lines of sort of when your Knicks got to the sort of finals in the lockout season. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> there, there could definitely be some sort of spanner in the works here due to this layoff, teams getting healthy and whatnot. Um, Who do you guys sort of fancy to sort of come out of this health permitting and what? Um, do you still, do you, do you fancy the Bucks and the Clippers and the Lakers? Are, that, are they the three teams or can you, do you think Toronto have got a shot of defending their, um, their title? I fancy kind of Toronto's a sneaky sort of outsider to maybe get back to the finals if they could upset uh, Milwaukee. I, I, I think like, un, uh, unlike any other season, you know, it's, it's really just hard to get a gauge on like, what the hell this is really going to look like yeah. because you know the, these guys haven't played basketball in what then three four months like it'll be first of all yeah, who, yeah. who who knows who who's in even in decent in decent shape does a four-month layoff help someone like lebron james does it hurt someone like lebron james is 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 chris paul more likely to get hurt because he hasn't been playing is he more likely to be successful because he's had a long break I, I honestly have no idea what to make of competitive basketball and how yeah. the layoff might affect the product. Um, obviously, like when the season ended, the, the Lakers and the Clippers looked really strong. Um, you know, the, Ben and I love watching the Nuggets. Um, and 
who knows what kind of shape a team like the Sixers is, are, are, are in or, or the Bucks, the Raptors. But, um, yeah, I just don't know what to make of the on-court product. Yeah. Who's going to be available to play? Who's yeah. going to be healthy to play? Yeah, it's a great unknown, isn't it? Um, yeah, you mentioned the Nuggets there. Um, I really enjoyed watching uh, Joe Kitchen them this year. Um, I know. He's one of my favorite players. I'm, yeah. just praying, I'm just praying that he comes back and is his, you know, 100% Healthy. strength again. And there's no guarantee of that, like, you know, yeah. uh, which is the scary thing. And again, why this is such a terrible idea is they don't know, you know, these guys are young and they're probably not at risk of anything, you know, major in the short term. But this virus has existed for six months. We don't know what the long-term implications of it are for anyone. Yeah. Uh, no matter what your health or your, you know, physical state. Um, yeah. So it's just it obviously like, affects everybody in different ways, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. there was Rudy Gobert saying, you know, he he's not even got his sense of smell back yet and stuff. Which, yeah. And who knows what long-term effect it's going to have on your lungs and stuff. It's, um, yeah, it's the great unknown, all of it. <laughs> well, yeah. Merely pontificating. Um, yeah. Who, which other guys have you enjoyed watching this year, um, just going back to the season? Um, are you a Luca fan? Have you enjoyed watching the Mavs? Um, they're certainly one on league pass for me every night. Um, yeah, I mean, how can you not love Luca? He is yeah. an absolute magician. Um, yeah, it's weird how, like, I've because of everything that's happened, I like kind of forgot about forgot. Yeah. what an yeah. incredibly like just historic season he was having for the age that he is. Um, yeah. and yeah, just like the you know like basically being single-handedly responsible for the league's number one offense just by himself which is um yeah no he's he's awesome um i mean i'm trying to think of uh some of the guys you know all all, like we love watching all all the all all the superstars in the league that everyone loves whether it's Giannis or harden or you know uh, Kawhi leonard but ben and i are hardcore uh fantasy basketball players so we have these guys on our, on our fantasy basketball teams. And we have like these vested interests in seeing their growth. So like someone we always joke about, like loving is uh, Markel Fultz on the Orlando magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could, I could, I could, I could wax poetic about the growth of Markel Fultz this year, that floppy haired King. Um, I, I, I love watching, <laughs> love watching Markel play. Um, we love, you know, Ben, Ben lives in Philly, uh, you know, when he's not, uh, you know, quarantined away in Connecticut, and uh, the Sixers is obviously super fun to watch. Simmons and Embiid. Me and uh, me and Gav planned a trip to Philly. Was it three years ago, Gav? It's been twice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we saw the Warriors there in the hinky oh, wow. days. Wow. In the hinky nice. days, and then um, we planned yeah. the trip. We planned the trip like two, three years ago to watch to watch Yanis. Uh, so mm. we um we we got the ticket. It was going to be book Sixers and. Uh, we got to the game and uh, we were all really hyped to see Yanis and stuff. And uh, about two minutes before the game started, Gavin's like, I've not seen Yanis yet. Oh, no. What? He's like, I've not seen him warming up. I'm like, I was like, what the fuck's going on? Jesus. And, um, it was the, it was the, was it the night Jason Kidd got fired or the day before or something like that? Um, they, they'd, rest, uh, they'd rested him. He'd had like a knock or something. So we was still there. Chris Middleton got that triple bubble. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we oh, went all sucks. we went we went all the way to Philly to watch him and he didn't play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what a bummer. Jeez. And then so this year, uh, me and another friend we planned a trip to Dallas uh, because uh, he's a big Cowboys fan. Uh, I was like, oh cool, we can take in a Mavs game while we're there. 
get to see Luca, whatever. Um, they were playing the Heat. A minute, 30 seconds into the game, he fucking uh, rolled his ankle. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I've spent like... Oh, yeah. it's awful. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I thought, this is just not meant to be. Well, being oh. a Knicks fan, I, I feel like sort of a free agent, you know, because my team is so bad. Like, I'll, I'll watch Knicks games, but I know that, you know, they're not going to be good and they're pretty consistently going to be losing. Oh, it's Teo. Oh, boy. What's up, buddy? Sorry, guys. This is a pretty regular uh, occurrence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is my three-year-old um, Teo. Hey. Say hi, bud. Buddy? Hi. 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 Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. I can't shoot him. Yeah, I know, because I got my headphones on. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, uh, uh, you know, being a Knicks fan, I'm pretty much like a, a, a free agent here um, in terms of, of watching and keeping up with other teams. Yeah. So I love all the sort of like ensemble teams like the the Nuggets and the Jazz and the Thunder in the West and seeing how those guys can sort of navigate and whether they can win without like a – a bona fide, you know, three big three or whatever. I like watching the jazz. They're super interesting. Um, yeah. Just the way they have to create shots and stuff. It's it's such a grind sometimes. And Joe Ingles is just so much fun to watch as well. Oh, oh Ingles is yeah, the best. He's yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's one of my yeah. favorites. Um, yeah, he's he's been one of our favorites uh, on the podcast. Um, gentlemen, um, I don't know what else we've got to ask you. Um, we took up far too much of your time, but. Um, Anything else you want to plug? Where, where can we find you guys podcast-wise and uh, on the socials and whatnot and on the internet? Yeah, so the podcast is in all the places you would normally find podcasts. I, uh, Apple, Spotify, you know, Stitcher, Google, all that stuff. And our, our website is swishfm.com. And then we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter at swishfmradio. And uh, people can follow us there and listen to the pod. And yeah. Yeah, and uh, get ready for the Rockets next ninety four. Yeah, oh, baby. God. Yeah, game one. Game game one is coming out tomorrow. And oh wow, uh, you already ooh. recorded. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Game one recorded. Yeah. Oh, wow, seven it's, games uh, as well. It's a slog. Yeah, I honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend any anyone <laughs> listen to it. It's, it's really more just for Chris and my it's therapy. It's some personal kind of therapy. therapy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, if you're interested yeah. in, in watching uh, two middle-aged white guys like work out their shit uh, on a podcast, feel free. But I would by no means uh, encourage anyone. <laughs> yeah, this is the final phase. It's the final phase of therapy for us. Um, yeah. Just reliving these final seven games. But oh I will say we are really, you know, interested to talk about the OJ game then. Uh, which is yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So we might we might be... have like a, a separate little OJ tangent uh, that the podcast mm. goes down at some point because uh, yeah. yeah, that's obviously a story that has uh, a lot of uh, relevancy, I would say, these days. Um, and uh, yeah, just a crazy thing to think about. And, and kind I know, of I know, I know the copy of the game I put up from that series. They cut all the whole OJ bits out and all oh, really? Newcastle and everything. Oh. Yeah. I think oh, the, right. I think the NBA did that. I don't know if there's a different version out there. With, huh. I, I feel like sure it's gotta be on YouTube. Yeah. It it's going to exist somewhere yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. There's a massive brawl in the middle of that game as well. If I remember. Oh really? Right. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. In that OJ game, which they kind of cut away from because they were going to the OJ stuff. I stand Whoa. corrected, but I'm pretty sure there was a, there was like a bit of a, a brouhaha during, yeah. <laughs> during that game. Wouldn't surprise me. There was there was one at least every series with the, with those uh, Knicks teams. It seems like, yeah. um, but. but gentlemen, that was fantastic. Um, 
thanks for joining us and um yeah make sure you subscribe uh, to these guys because their podcast excellent and um your uh, your sense of sarcasm uh, travels well <laughs> over the atlantic and uh, it's it's greatly appreciated ah well we yeah. really yeah i can't tell yeah. you how thankful we are this has been a blast and uh yeah and uh, we should definitely do it again sometime you guys gotta gotta come on our on our show for a little uh, you know home and home or whatever they call it yeah, yeah definitely. guys yeah. When, whenever whenever you're ready let's get you on uh, the swish fm airwaves we'd love to have you on and talk a little bit more maybe uh once the bubble is back yeah. up and running maybe we, when we got some games yeah. under our belt and um yeah something to actually talk about basketball wise that'd be Sweet. cool yeah be awesome. ben chris it's been an absolute pleasure it genuinely has it's been, a, it's, been it's been an honor and a pleagure it's been great yeah totally couldn't Thanks, agree guys. more thank Fantastic. you guys so much all right guys we'll talk to you all soon. right take care bye-bye